Welcome to the Life Podcast. We're so glad you're joining us for another hope-filled message. We pray that you're encouraged by this powerful word from our Sunday service. Wow, what, a, what, a, what an incredible week. What an incredible start to the year for us as a church. It's very exciting. I talk to pastors and it just seems that God is doing something significant. Social media is full of what God is doing in Kentucky, in a little university there, and I thank God for that. I celebrate that. But the same God who lives in Kentucky is here present in Adelaide this morning. Do you believe that? And I believe that God wants to do something in us that He might do something through us. Do you believe that this morning? Let's pray, shall we? Father, we just thank You for Your Word. I just pray that uh, You would help me to share Your Word with great clarity and wisdom with the help of the Holy Spirit. And we ask that we would have eyes to see, ears to hear and hearts that would understand what it is that You're saying to us for such a time as this. And we ask all of these things in Your precious Name. And everyone said, Amen, Amen, Amen. amen. Can we put our hands together for the band? They did a brilliant job. Thanks guys and girls. Naomi Jackson, you are amazing as always. Love you, love you, love you. Fantastic. Isn't it, isn't it good that we get to share our gifts? Isn't it good that we get to bring our gifts and use them that we might all be blessed? And that's what we've experienced this morning. Thanks, Nay and team. Really do appreciate that. Well, two weeks ago, I shared a message about the languages of love. And I, I touched on the fact that we all have a love language. Had a bit of fun at my expense and Kath's expense as we looked at her love language being primarily acts of service. And I am the beneficiary of her ways in which she loves me and people. She's an incredible server. Do you remember this about two weeks ago? Just before Pastor Joel spoke last week. My love language is words of affirmation. And I'd like to think that Kath is the beneficiary of my love language because every night we go to bed, I say, I love you. I'm always sending messages and texts and letting her know just how much I think of her and about her. Are there any words of affirmation people out there today? I feel you, God bless you, God bless you. I see that hand in the balcony, God bless you, God bless you. It's awesome. Any works of service people? Any gifts people out there? Touch people? If you're a touch person, just touch someone right now. Just Look at those smiling now. They're a little bit miserable before, but now they're in their happy place. They, they get to touch somebody, which is, which is awesome. And then there's the quality time. Who's a quality time person? Obviously, you know, this is, this is not an exact science. This is just some thoughts to help us get along better. And the importance of knowing our love language is not that just we know how we are loved and like to be loved, but it's important that we know those that are in our world and their love language so that we can give them their love language. And when that takes place, synergy happens. I made the point that God also has a love language. And we delved into this thought that God's love language is obedience. Jesus said, if you love God, you'll obey what He said. And we looked into that and if you weren't here, you can have a listen to that message or if you were here and you wanna listen to it again, feel free to listen to that message over and over and over again until it gets into our spirit. And I wanna keep with that theme of obedience this morning. Is that okay? I wanna keep with that theme of obedience. And the title of my message today is simply this. Obedience is thicker than blood. 
Obedience is sticking in the blood. I did not bring my water up here, so can I just have that water, somebody? That'd be awesome. But obedience is sticking in the blood. Turn with me, if you would, to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14, if you would, verse 26 says this, If anyone comes to me, this is Jesus speaking. We know Jesus is speaking. Why? Because it's written in red. That's right. Jesus said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate, Father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even his own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. I asked the team as they prayed for me this morning, they said, keep praying for me in light of what I know I wanna share because I think I'm getting into dangerous territory. But I want you to know I'm with the majority because this is not an easy message for me to live, let alone preach. Because this is one of those outrageous things that Jesus said. And Jesus said a number of outrageous things. On one occasion, He said, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can have no part of me. And people freaked out and left Him. Jesus said many outrageous things and this is right up there with the outrageous comments that Jesus made. Many might say, hate your family. That doesn't sound very Christian. Are there any out there today that feel that that just doesn't sound very Christian? Because when I read it, it doesn't sound very Christian to me. I have issue with that doesn't sound very Christian. In actual fact, sounds a little harsh, rude and mean. It's okay, you're you're allowed to question the Word of God. We're allowed to ask it questions. And if something sounds mean and rude, let's just delve into it, shall we? Because Jesus was never mean or rude. Jesus never sinned. So if how I'm feeling is against the character and nature of God, we need to question why we're feeling a certain way, knowing that He never intended it that way. And that's what we hopefully will do today. There's another group of people in here who don't think it's mean, you think it's awesome. (laughs) You feel empowered this morning. You're like, hey, my brother, I do that. This is awesome. I have never been more in the will of God than I am right now. And in actual fact, two from two, I hate my sister as well. This is amazing. I love Jesus. I've never loved Jesus more than I love Him right now. And to that group of people, I say, before we get too excited, and to the group of people that think it's harsh and mean, before you get too outraged and disgruntled, We want to look at the proper context of this passage. We need to know what Jesus had in mind when He said, hate your father, mother, brothers and sisters. When it comes to reading the Bible, I've just got a few thoughts for you to help you get the right context. The first one is simply this, that we need to know and understand the proper context when interpreting Scripture. We need to know the proper context That means we need to know who wrote it, 
know who it was written to. We need to understand the major theme and we need to know what God is trying to say through the author. That's proper context. Secondly, when it comes to reading the Bible, we need to interpret Scripture with Scripture. You can't just take your favourite verse and not apply it and connect it to other verses. That's where error comes in. And so we need to interpret Scripture with Scripture. And thirdly, we need to apply what we have learnt. The Bible is not a book to be studied, it's more a letter to be lived. So three quick thoughts there this morning. And so what is the context of this passage of Scripture that Jesus is speaking these seemingly harsh words? The context, if you go back and read, you will see the context is the cost of following Jesus. There is a cost. We know that's the context because Jesus used a couple of other parables. He said, if someone wants to build a tower, will he not first weigh up the cost of that tower? There's a cost. He says, if a king's about to go to war, won't he first weigh up the thought, do I have enough men to win this thing? If I don't, I'm not gonna go to war. There's a cost and a wisdom involved. And it's in this situation, it's in this context that Jesus says about hating your family members. He says anything, or sorry, for me, anything that is worth something to you will demand something of you. That's what Jesus is getting at here. I'll say that again. Anything that is worth something to you will demand something of you. And when Jesus was addressing the issue of family, He was addressing the cost. What we need to know about hate your family, it doesn't mean hate them Jesus wasn't implying that we should ignore them. Jesus doesn't imply that we should manipulate them or hurt them or treat them badly. The word hate simply means to love less. That's the point that Jesus was trying to make. You see, I have many great women in my life and I love them all, but I don't love them the same way I love my wife. I love her more. And this is the point Jesus was trying to make. So for all of you who thought hating your brother and sister was good thing, think again. Are you with me this morning? It means to love less. Our love for Christ must be so strong that all other love is like hatred by comparison, said Warren Wearsby. Our love for Christ must be so strong that all other love is like hatred by comparison. And the cost is to prioritise God over and above our family, our friends, and it goes on to say, even our own life. And this is a big price to pay, especially in Jesus' time. Because in Jesus' time, and is the case in many countries today, when you say yes to Jesus, it means that your family may ridicule you, may mock you, may disown you, may abandon you, and some even have you put to death. 
in Jesus' time, this was a massive cost. And I want you to know as the preacher today, I'm with you. I'm the one who has had to wrestle with this truth because I love my family dearly. When I got married, I got married to be with my wife. We've been married for over 30 years. In actual fact, 31 years. And the longest I've been apart from her is 12 days and that nearly wrecked me. I mean, my goodness me, when I got home, I was ready to see my wife. I, I, was, I, I missed her. I did not get married to be apart from her. Together, we've created these incredible kids. God has given us and blessed us with three incredible kids. I love being a dad. I consider it one of the biggest joys and privileges of my life. I love being married and I love being a dad. And I've got to be sensitive when I say that because I know there are some here who would love to be married and you're not. And there's some who would love to have kids and you can't. And so I want to be sensitive when I say that. But what I'm about to touch on, you need to know the place it's coming from. I love my family. I love my wife more now than ever before. And I love my kids. They are my greatest joy. My family is my greatest joy. I love my kids. And so asking me to put God first before these incredible people that I love so much. Three of them, I had something to do with creating them. It was just, it was just amazing. And so if you're struggling with this today, I'm, I'm on your side. I'm with you. If there are some things in the Bible that I could get rid of, this might be right up there with one of them. The trouble is I can't. I can't. And so what you can't get rid of, you've either got to ignore or surrender to. And I've learned over time the wisdom and the value of surrendering to His ways and not living out my ways. Is this making sense this morning? This can be hard to understand and even hard to put into practice. But let's look at where Jesus not only spoke about this, but where He modelled this. And we wanna look at the benefits of what Jesus modelled and what He meant when He said, hate your father, your mother, your brother, your sisters, mums, dads, etc. Turn with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 46. No, I'm missing, a, I'm missing something here. There's, there's a chapter I'm missing, but it's verse 46 and verse 50. I don't know the chapter, but it's in there somewhere. <laughs> it's, it's the vibe. It's 12. There we go. Thank you, team. I love that. Matthew 12, verse 46 to 50 from the message translation. While he was still talking to the crowd, this is Jesus speaking. This is what Jesus did a lot of. He's teaching the crowd. His mother and his brothers showed up. They were outside trying to get a message to him. Can you picture this? Can you picture this? This this could be a Sunday morning. Johnny's on the soccer field and mummy said, Mum, he forgot his boots. It's it's that moment. Jesus' mum turns up, his family turns up. He's working. Someone told Jesus, your mother and brothers are out here. They're wanting to speak with you. 
Jesus didn't respond directly, but said, who do you think my mother and brothers are? It's a question. Then he stretched out his hand toward his disciples. Look closely. These are my mothers, brothers. Obedience is thicker than blood. The person who obeys my heavenly Father's will is my brother, sister, and mother. If this sounds outrageous to you, it was more outrageous back in the day. This is outrageous in Aussie culture. In Jewish culture, it's unacceptable. Jesus saying what He said in Jewish times, uh, Jewish culture was unacceptable. They're one of the most family-orientated cultures in the world. Honour your mother and father was drilled into every young Jewish boy and girl from the earliest of age. You shall honour your mother. You shall honour your father. That all might go well with you. If you want it to go well with you, you better honour your mother and you better honour your father. This was drummed and drilled into them. When Jesus was at a wedding in Cana, His mum asked Jesus to do a favour and Jesus obeyed His mum. Jesus was not rebellious. Jesus did not hate His mother. Jesus loved His mum. And so because of that obedience and because of what they grew up in, everyone expected Jesus to stop what He was doing and just go spend time with mummy. But He didn't. He leaves them standing outside. Remember, Jesus is ever loving. He's the man who never sinned. He's the man who went on a cross, hung there, saw his mum in pain and told John, one of his disciples, to make sure you look after my mum. This is a man who's deeply devoted to his mum. And yet in this moment, at this time, he's very comfortable leaving her and brothers and sisters outside. He's very happy with the notion that they can wait because I'm busy. And Jesus uses this moment, as He often does, to bring a teaching. This is an incredible teaching moment that Jesus brings and I hope it will help you as much as it's helped me balance the mix between my faith and my family. That's really what this is all about. How do I balance the mix between my faith and my family? If there's one thing that's gonna cause you to stumble, if there's one thing that's gonna cause you pain, it's this balancing act between my faith, the God I love and my family, the family I love. How do I balance that? Is is that a fair question this morning? Because it's something I've had to wrestle with and this passage has helped me to win that battle. This passage highlights things to remember while trying to balance our faith and our family. Three things very quickly, you ready? The first one is this, the power of time and place. We need to remember the power of time and place. 
You see, Jesus was not ignoring His family. He left them outside, sure. He didn't respond to them, sure, but He was not ignoring them. Do you know what He was doing? He was just placing them. Because there's a time and a place for everything. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 says that there's a time and a place. And He was in His God-given moment doing what He was meant to be doing. And His mum's interruption was a hindrance to what He was doing. And Jesus had the wisdom just to place them at that time. So you can't jump on every little thing that comes up just because it's your family. Just because they have the same last name as you. We sang this morning that Jesus' name is greater than any other name. But sometimes when it comes to our family, I don't know if that's true. That's the wrestle. Jesus, you have a great name, but you know, I, when, when it's rainbow involved, it's a little bit different. And we can't afford to drop everything just because family. Balancing faith and family is not easy, but it's made easier when we understand the power of time and place. I've told this story many times before, but when I was a young kid growing up, I knew my dad loved me. I knew that because we played lots together. We did lots together. We had lots of conversations. But in the morning, it was like I didn't exist. In the morning, my dad would be reading his Bible, eating his muesli, drinking his cup of tea, reading his devotion, had his journal out. And if I ever tried to interrupt him in that time and at that place, at best, he would ignore me. If I kept persisting, it got a bit stronger. Did he hate me? No, he was just prioritising. And it's because he loved me and wanted to be a great dad, he wanted to go to his father in heaven to get the wisdom of what it is to be a good earthly father. Did I understand that at the time? No. Over time, have I learned to appreciate it? Absolutely. Absolutely. He modelled it. And you know what it taught me? If you can't beat them, join them. And I'll never forget the age 14. I said, Dad, you know what? I'm an early bird. I'm up anyway. I see what you're doing. I might as well do what you're doing. And since the age of 14, I've made it a daily discipline to read my Bible first. My dad taught me that by ignoring me. That's what Jesus is talking about. And I said, and while I'm at it, Dad, what's the devotion you're using? I'll use that too. I said, and while we're at it, what, what's in your muesli? Because you're fit and healthy. I want to be like that. And he said, oh, there's wheat germ. I'm, I'll, I'll try this wheat. I hated wheat germ. I just ate it every morning because Dad did. I got to like wheat germ. I'd say to my kids, hey, kid, my, my mates at school, how'd you eat? anyone know what wheat germ is? No one knew what wheat germ was. Just me eating wheat germ and my Bible. My dad taught me that by ignoring me. 
by not putting me first. I'm so grateful that I had a dad who did not put me first. Is this making sense? The good thing about this principle, it will help you in every area of life. See, when you get the principles right and you start to apply it in other areas, I, I love my kids, I mentioned that, but I love my wife more. And so at 7.30, that was the time for our kids to go to bed. That was their place. Why? Because I needed time with my wife. Time and place is a powerful concept that can help us balance the mix and the wrestle between faith and family. And I stand here today as a son to Keith Rainbow who ignored me every morning, who never went to my soccer matches on Sunday because he was at church, because that was his time and place. And do you know what it did for me? It said something, that Jesus is indeed real to him. And I know me, if you give me an inch, I'll take a mile. And if my dad allowed me to interrupt his Bible reading, and if my dad came to soccer and didn't go to church, I would say, you say you love Jesus. You say He's the number one thing in your life, but it's not. I can ask of anything of you and you just drop everything. But because he didn't do that, it actually was the thing that drew me to Jesus. Why? Because I knew how much my dad loved me. And when you are loved by someone as much as I was, and yet there were boundaries, that just made my understanding of my dad's relationship with Jesus so real. And it caused me to go on a journey of saying, who is this God that takes preference over me and my brothers when I know you love us so much? I stand as a beneficiary of a dad putting Jesus' words into practice. Of course, there are some exceptions. And those exceptions are emergencies. If I had cut my wrist while dad was having a devotional, and I'm like, dad, I cut myself. Like, Get away. <laughs> there's, there's always exceptions to the rule. I know some people have lost their families due to the call of God and you would know someone too. And maybe they're screaming at you right now. I know someone who went to church every day and I know pastors and their kids are a mess. There's definitely, sadly, that is true. But I promise you for every one of those stories, there is 10, 15, 20, 100 who have lost their call and their faith because of their family. There are far more people losing their faith because of their family than they are losing their family because of their faith. Secondly, the thing we need to remember is the difference between motivation and manipulation. What I love about Jesus and what He did here, He's free from people's opinions. Wouldn't it be great to live free from people's opinion? That's what Jesus is modelling here. That you don't have to be manipulated by anyone, especially those in your family. You can be loved by, but you don't have to be manipulated by your family members. See, He's not being cruel, He's just being free. Jesus is actually living in absolute freedom in this moment. 
He's free, it's free from fear, the fear of what people think. He's living in freedom from control, what people expect. He's living in the freedom from tradition, what we've always done. See, manipulation often sounds like this. If you love me, you would. Which is so manipulative. As pastors, we've got to be careful. We don't use that language from the pulpit. If you love Jesus, you would go to church. If you love me, you wouldn't go to church. And you would come to our Christmas party instead. It becomes manipulative because it's possible that you can love someone but be struggling in another area. And so the best way to break down a statement like that is isolate and separate. Because I believe it's possible to love Jesus but not want to fast. If you're anything like me, you can love Jesus but like, oh, really, do we have to fast? And because I don't want to fast or don't enjoy fasting or choose not to fast, doesn't mean I don't love Jesus. It just means I hate fasting. And we have to isolate and separate the two things. And if we isolate and separate, now I can deal with the real issue. Beck, I know you love Jesus. Crystal, I know you love Jesus. But that doesn't mean you never struggle with some things Jesus asks you to do. And because we struggle with some things Jesus asks us to do, it doesn't mean we shouldn't do them. So how do we motivate people to do what we should do without it coming across as manipulation? Because if you do, you would. It's saved high school. If you loved me, you'd clean your room. Mums, that might work for a week, but you're gonna have to do that every day, every week, every month thereafter, unless you get to a deeper issue. And I know for me, I have struggled obeying Jesus, but I know I love Him, I love Him. I love Jesus more now than I ever have, but it doesn't mean I don't struggle to obey Him. I woke up this morning, I live by the beach. Do you know how nice the beach was this morning? I've got a paddleboard. To enjoy a paddleboard ride, you need a smooth ocean. This morning was like glass. I said to Kath, Kath, who's preaching this morning? She said, you are. I said, oh no. I, I really thought about not coming to church today. Because it's not every day in Adelaide you get the sea like it was this morning. It'd be just my luck. I'll get home today and be all choppy and I'm like, flipping, stupid. Cool. I struggle with that. I, I'm, I'm you. I'm not Jesus in the Scriptures. I'm the disciples struggling. I'm on a journey. I struggled this morning. Seriously? So nice. <laughs> I wonder what Luke's preaching this morning. Can we play that video? <laughs> Stuff went through my head. Full disclosure. Didn't want to be here this morning. That doesn't mean I don't love Jesus. It means I'm struggling with my obedience. Now we can deal with that issue. Because I struggle with obedience, doesn't mean I don't go to church. How could you take me seriously if I just came when I wanted to come? How can your kids take you seriously when you go to church when you want to go to church? Doesn't mean you don't love Jesus. I get it. You love Jesus. But you're not being very obedient. You're not doing yourself or anyone watching you any favours. And you're so distorting the gospel. Let's talk about that. Free of manipulation. Let's let's do the discipleship journey. Let's help you with what you're obviously struggling with. 
if you're struggling with fasting or the concept of fasting, or you don't even know what that means, come tonight, we're gonna touch on it. Dan's gonna share a little thought. Then he's got a panel, I'm part of that panel. We're just gonna talk about it. And you might know how to fast, but you might just use tonight as motivation to do it right. Because the last thing we want is dutiful little Christians ticking a box. That is not obedience. That's a pain. That's a pain for everyone. No one likes you when you do that. We want raw, we want real, we want open, we want transparent obedience. But if you struggle to go to church because somebody hurt you, the answer is not, well, I love Jesus, I just won't go to church. No, no, you obviously got to hurt. Let's deal with that. That's what's keeping you away from church. And so we want to move away from manipulation and bring about the right motivation. And that's why Jesus could be so brutally honest because he just wasn't dictated to by people. In John chapter 2, verse 23, it says, Now, while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, many people saw the signs he was performing and believed in his name. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all people. He did not need any testimony about mankind, for he knew what was in each person. Jesus lived free from the manipulation and expectation of people. And it's a freedom that's available to us. The very same crowd that said, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna to the King, seven days later said, crucify Him. And Jesus knows what people are like. People are like that. People will let you down. This church will let you down. Thank God for Jesus. And because I love Jesus, I love what He loves. He loves the church. And because this church has let me down, I'm going to come anyway because I love Jesus. And as a result of that, it changes my heart toward the church. I get a fresh love for the church again. Not because I'm being manipulated, but because I get proper understanding. Today's teaching has not come easy for me. I've wrestled with it. I'm not here to ruin anyone's day, but I do want to help us do what it is I know we really want to do. It's just that we struggle to do it. And if we don't do that wrestle, we're going to say, I can love Jesus and not go to church. I'm saying yes and no. Yes and no. Because they're two different issues. One's loving Jesus. One's going to a place where people are that have hurt you. One's going to a place where people are and they're going to ask something of you. We're going to look at that. It's a different issue of loving Jesus. And we can move away from manipulation if we learn to isolate and separate. I'm fast running out of time. Let's get the band up here. Number three, we've got to remember the importance of being inclusive, not just exclusive. When Jesus was told that his family were here, he says, who is my family? And he points to everyone in the room. He says, my family are those that do my will. In other words, he was saying, my family is bigger than just my family. And the point is that your life is bigger than just your family. You've got to think bigger. We have a Father in heaven, our Father. Jesus is like our big brother. The Scriptures refer to uh, fellow congregational members as brothers and sisters. You are literally sitting next to someone who's a sister from another mister and a brother from another mother. 
That's what happens. That's what Jesus does. He unites us. He's not anti-family. He is for family. He actually wants us to have a bigger expression of family. Don't limit the Kingdom of God to your little family. Bring your family on the journey. This is something we've worked really hard at as parents. Knowing my struggle as a kid growing up, I wanted to make it as easy as I possibly could for our kids. And because of our job and our role in ministry, we had the incredible privilege and responsibility of travelling. There were times when our kids were very young that we left them for two weeks at a time. This was before social media. This is before FaceTime. And we had to make a decision. And two weeks away from your kids, multiple times during their infancy can seem like neglect. And it can be neglect. And we were very mindful of that. And so how now do you honour God and what's on your life and what He's asking you to do? But I've got these kids. Well, I remember for the first 12 months that Jordan was born, she went to nine different countries. And we'd pick her up and we'd walk in the plane and you, and you see the dread on people's faces. Like, please don't sit next to me. You just sense it. And, and, and she walk past that empty seat and you, you sense, a, uh, you, you hear this, uh, uh, uh. And so every time I get on a plane, my first words are, I'm so sorry. You drew the short straw. And we just put Jordan in the bassinet and put her under the chair. I don't know what we did. Put in the overhead locker. I don't know. We just... <laughs> but you know what it did? It said to our kids, they really do love Jesus, but not at the expense of loving them. Because it would be wise of us just to do that and just have business as usual. No, we were very strategic before we'd go away time and place, it was all about our kids. We were selfish to the core. Before we went away, it was all about our kids. When we came home, it was all about our kids. They never felt they missed out. They just understood time and place. This is a time. And we'd bring them on a journey. We'd start telling them stories of what happened. We'd start showing them photographs of the people that we met. And the people in those photographs became aunties and uncles to our kids. And then they would reciprocate a trip and then they'd be over here and, and, and they always got gifts. They got so many gifts. They got so many gifts. Every time we'd drive home from church and they'd been in kids' ministry, we'd get them in the back and say, okay, kids, what's your takeaway? You don't have to have got everything out of the ser- service today, but what, what's one thing you got? What's one thing you got out of service? And they knew they could not drive home without giving us something. They'd give us their one thing, they'd give us their one thing. I said, man, that's awesome. Let's just thank God for this one thing. Then I'd tell the the kids' workers, oh, you just need to know, Jordan got this out of it. Thank you so much. Just bring them on the journey. Putting God first doesn't mean neglect your kids. Putting God first doesn't mean neglect your wife. When you put God first, it brings order to every area of your life. The Bible says it this way, seek first the Kingdom of God and He will add to you you want things being added to you, then seek first His Kingdom. Yeah. I love what it says in Colossians. In Colossians it says, He was before all things yeah. and it's in Him all things hold together for good. Yeah. What does that mean? 
He was before all things and it's in Him all things hold together. It means this, if you put Him first, He will hold together what you're struggling to hold together. If you put Him before your marriage, He'll hold your marriage together. If you put Him before your kids, He'll hold together your kids. Raising kids is not easy. Being married in this climate, this culture, it's not easy. It's just easy to opt out. But when you put God first, He helps hold that which you're struggling with together. If you're struggling to hold your mind together, put Him first. Struggling to hold your finances, things slipping through your fingers, put Him first in your finances. This is what Jesus was talking about when He said, hate your father. You see, I love my family. I'm gonna finish with what I started with. I love my wife. She is the wife of my youth. We've been dated since we were 14 years of age. I know nothing or no one else. And I don't want no thing or no one else. When she dies, I wanna die the next day. That's a very good point you make. I, I love her. I love my kids, oh my gosh. We've got half a, half a day, I'll talk for the, about my kids. I just love my kids, I'm very proud of my kids. I love them, love them. People say, hey, how do you feel with Mitch being in New Zealand? I miss him. Oh my gosh, I miss him. I wish he was here. We've got more money without him here. <laughs> but I would still rather him be here. I miss him. Don't ever kid yourself that it doesn't affect me. It does it. Ah, I wish he was here. And I bring that thought to God and say, Lord, he's your child. I just get this small moment in time to change his nappies, to clothes, put him through school. And then he's off my hands. It was never mine. Yeah, good. Mitchie was never mine. Good. We use the language my kids and there's nothing wrong with that, but essentially he's God's. Yeah. And I get a shift of thinking. I think, man, I'm so proud of him. I'm so glad he's in New Zealand. Youth pastor in New Zealand. There's a lot worse things that could be happening. With all due respect to those that have kids that are struggling in these areas, I don't want to add to your pain, but I'm, I'm, man, there's drugs, and there's sleep, there's all these different things that Mitchie could be, and all I've got to contend with is, he's just not here. And he's putting into practice what we taught him when he was a young kid, that putting God first. We're not a perfect family by any stretch of the imagination, oh my goodness me. But man, I... I live in the benefit of winning the wrestle that you face and I've had to face and will continue to have to face. To see God first, His will, not mine, be done. Because this I know, as much as I love my wife, as much as I love my kids, they didn't die for me. They did not save me. 
And I don't want that love that I have for them to get in the way of the one who did far more for me than they ever will or ever could. Love you guys. But this time next week, I'm going to be in church. And I'm going to be fasting along with you. And I'm going to be at the prayer meeting. And none of that has to equal neglecting my family. In actual fact, if we get this right, we will have a strong, robust next generation. I love the fact that Zariah, my great niece, at the age of five days old, got her first gig in church. Not too many five day old kids can say, I played Jesus. I remember saying to Dan and Shai, hey, look, it's a big ask. And I know when you've just given birth, I don't know personally because I'm a guy, but I I, I nurse my wife through that. I I know there's pain. I know there's just trying to get the whole nuance and new things. I said, but you know what would be really cool? You don't have to say yes to this. But if you could, I'd love a baby Jesus on stage. And who better than baby Zaria? And they did it. And it wasn't easy. And I gave them right up till the last. I said, you can pull out right up until I walk on stage. And Shari came that morning and said, you know, I'm in. I said, this is going to be a great story. Not every child gets to say, I got to play Jesus at five days old. Could it, we could be, let's not allow our sentimentality when it comes to family to rob us of what the Word of God says. You stand with me this morning. Father, we desire to not only love You, but obey You. And if we're honest, Lord, the obeying gets hard, gets tiring, gets weary. It causes us to want to give up and give in. And I pray that through the words today and the Spirit of this house, You would strengthen us afresh that we would not allow what is good to get in the way of what is great. We would not allow what is beautiful and of You to get in the way of You. We would not allow Your creation, as beautiful, as cute, as wonderful as it may be, to get in the way of the Creator. Holy Spirit, over this next day, week, month and year, continue to massage this truth into us. We want this to be a manipulation-free zone, but we want accountability to be high. We want obedience to be seen, but we want it to be on the right motivation. And left to our own devices, Lord, we will always get that wrong. And so we say, Holy Spirit, won't You come and keep this thing sweet, keep this thing pure, keep this thing holy, because we mess it up every time. Our best intentions get in the way of Your holiness. Even when we get it right in our own strength, it becomes wrong because we have bad attitudes. And so Holy Spirit, we welcome You. We invite You. Come, have Your way. In Jesus' Name. Thanks for listening to this podcast. We trust that you're encouraged by this powerful message. You always have a place to call home here at Life and we invite you to join us for our Sunday services at our Adelaide campus. 
If you'd like to know more about life, then visit our website at lifeadelaide.org or download the Life Adelaide app and stay connected.